Hello and welcome to another episode of the Acts of the Blood God podcast. I am not Cat Bailey. That's right. Surprise. Cat uh, is out this week. This week, uh, Eric Van Allen, the one and only, is hosting alongside Nadia Oxford. Nadia, how you doing? Uh, I'm okay. Cat said she was going to get cigarettes again, and I she always make this, this. joke. Mm-hmm. Okay, she didn't say cigarettes <laughs> this time. She said uh, cocaine. No, milk. She's going to get milk. She'll be back Why next did, week. Why'd you go up and then down? <laughs> you can't take us on that roller coaster. Cat's my boss! Cat <laughs> does not snort cocaine, to my knowledge. Like, uh, this <laughs> to is my a disclaimer. <laughs> Good. We've already started off strong. Can't get worse than this. <laughs> oh, I can try. <laughs> This week, we are covering Pokemon Legends Arceus. Yes, the second week in a row, but this week we will be doing a more holistic, possibly spoiler uh, talk. We're going to try and keep it easy. We're going to try and keep it light. You know, uh, if, if you've been playing it, you're good. If, if you have, you know, maybe not gotten to the end, don't worry too much. You know, make your own decisions. You're adults. Uh, <laughs> and joining us to help out with this Pokemon talk, I have recruited the help of two Pokemon masters in their own right first up is multiple award-winning journalist rebecca valentine rev oh, how you doing oh i love being on pokemon i'm Yay! so glad i'm here thank you i love talking about pokemon too i just love pokemon so much i man this is this is great i'm so glad rev is in her element this week ah uh, powerfully Reb truly is, and joining us is another Pokemon master in his own element. The one, the only, multiple heart-winning Kenneth Shepard. How you doing? I'm good. You know, I heard you start with the hello and welcome, and then a bunch of words that were not welcome to another episode of Normandy FM follow. You know, <laughs> I figured we've been on such a binge already of the 10-2 episodes. Let's mm-hmm. just bang another one out. Y'all like 10-2, yeah. right? We could just talk about it. <laughs> I haven't played it. Good. We'll coast through it. It's not oh, the God. worst time we've done an episode. We we had an episode <laughs> die into the ether, so we've had worse. Ouch. Ken, you yourself are a Pokemon master. I'm led to believe by the skateboard in the background that mm. has a Pikachu on it. Now, this is actually my stolen Valor as a Pokemon trainer. Oh, okay. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> you stole that from a child? Mm-hmm. Did you beat them in a Pokemon <laughs> battle for it? No, and I you just took your money. <laughs> I beat you at a Pokemon battle. Boom! Right over the head with Pikachu. All right, now I take. They all never your, see your that one money. coming. John <laughs> robbery. Oh my god! Yeah, we're gonna talk about Arceus. Uh, but before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about Acts of the Blood God at home. You know, we got a lot going on. There's a lot happening here. We have a Pantheon episode that has just gone up. Bloodborne yes. with the one, the only Bob Mackie and Tamora Hussein all it it sounds like it was a great chat nadia it was i had a lot of fun with that one and i wholly recommend it to anyone who's any sort of a soulsborne fan because uh tan's knowledge of soulsborne is just absolutely like fathomless so he dropped some really cool stuff on us plus we just had a great time talking about the tone of the game uh i it was my first time playing bloodborne and i really found the tone fascinating and the lore i have always been into soulsborne lore but i i really enjoyed my time with the game really looking forward to elden ring now See, that's that's the thing is the whole discord got really into Bloodborne for a mm-hmm. month and it's just messed us up now. And now everyone's just ready to go full sicko mode on Elden Ring. It's going to be a good time. But we have another game we're going full sicko mode on right now, which is our new Pantheon pick Final Fantasy Tactics, which beat out not only Super Robot Wars, not only Fire Emblem Awakening, but 
anime World War II, Valkyria Chronicles itself, Final Fantasy Tactics cannot be beat by any other tactics. So that is what we're playing this month. I have not yet started playing it. I need to get on it. Nadia, I think you're in the same boat. Same boat. Yeah. yeah. I was a little bit. I was kind of hoping for Valkyria Chronicles. I think both of you and I were hoping for Valk Chronicles. But I uh, can't win them all. No. I'm definitely looking to. I mean, yeah, Tactics is brilliant. So, of course, I'm looking forward to that. I, I still have a feeling that one of these days we'll have a reason to talk about Valkyria Chronicles, possibly one that we'll talk about later in this episode. But for now, we got to talk about what we've been playing. And I'm going to kick it to our guests because I'm inhospitable like that. So, Kenneth Shepard, what have you been playing recently that you can talk about? Uh, the game I was asked to come and talk about. Pokemon Legends Arceus. Yeah. Pokemon <laughs> kind of Legends Arceus. This week. Primarily that and only that. Um. I- I imagine, Reb, you're probably the same way. Honestly, yeah, that's it. Like, I, I think I've put in I, before the review that I did for IGN. I think I, put, I think I finished at like sixty. I can't remember if it was sixty-four or sixty-seven hours before I turned in that review. And at this point, I'm over eighty. So that yeah. is liter- that is literally all I've. I played Final Fantasy fourteen last night for two hours. That's what I did. There we go. There we go. Folks at home love hearing about the fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> Do they? Because right now, so far, I only have complaints. I know it gets better. Mm-hmm. I assume it gets mm-hmm. better, but I'm level 36, and it's so boring. Please, <laughs> give, give me something to do other than <laughs> teleport across the map back and forth and talk to guys. And every once in a while, it's like, hey, why don't you go kill two bees? And then I do that, and it takes me like two seconds. And then I come back. But those bees are mythical bees. You killed (laughs) mythical bees. That's exciting. Them that take like two (laughs) seconds to kill. Like I I mean, I don't. don't, I'm I'm not an advocate for grindy elements, as you're definitely going to hear me talk about later. But man, why is it not a couple more bees or like a bigger bee? (laughs) Thinking back to my experience with ARR, I think you really are in the slump. Where even I, who had a lot of patience with ARR, said, "Okay, this is getting really." really boring especially if if it sounds like you played like two hours last night doing just that yeah i'm not surprised that you're kind of falling asleep yeah i was saying this in the pre-show so like sorry if people who are sitting in here listening have already heard this before but i'm at this very specific part where it wants me to find a man in a mask and i swear Mm -hmm. to you like Mm -hmm. last night in order to do this they said okay you gotta go ask this person for information about a man in a mask okay so i went like to the other continent and I got there. I don't even know if these are continents. They feel like continents. They might not be. And they're like, oh, I don't want to talk to you. You're an outsider. And so I had to talk to the guy next to him. I was like, oh, you can win him over, but you need to talk to this other guy. Mm-hmm, so I had mm-hmm. to like go talk to the other guy across the camp. And he's like, and he's like I don't want to Gotta talk to you. Gotta ingratiate yourself. And they're yourself. like, oh, well, you need to win that guy over by talking to someone in another town, like several maps away. So I are go there. The cat people? I remember and the cat like, people I can't, in the desert. No. I think this arrogant. is all. I think this is all amigo. It is, yes. And then then they're like, oh, you, oh, well, I can't help you. You need to talk to that guy standing over there. And he's like, well, I can help you, but my guy right here is dying. So you need to heal him first. And I'm like, okay, I'll do that. How do I do that? They're like, we got to talk to him. Well, that guy won't help me unless I'm serious. I'm not making this. No, I know. I understand. No, I remember this exact quest line. (laughs) At some point, I'm like, where is, what happened to the guy in the mask? Is there anybody else I can talk to? (laughs) Talk. Well, they're not just going to tell an outsider everything. You're suspicious, just like the dude in the mask. You got to earn some trust here. It's a give and a take. Look, you know? have you seen the man in the mask? He looks like a freaking Organization 13. <laughs> I am much more trustworthy as as my little black mage falafel or whatever I am than that guy is. <laughs> oh, I forgot you're a Lala fell. <laughs> oh, you're a Lala. What? Yeah. And you're a black mage. So you're really into, you're really into the, the stereotype there. What's that? <laughs> 
All I know is I am also playing a little bit of uh, thir- uh, 14 because I'm always playing a bit of 14. And I'm learning how to play White Mage. And I had to do some quest in the in the Black Mage, con whatever you want to call it, like guild. And I just saw four of them standing around with their hands out, giggling, like four little lalas in, in, in black robes, looking evil and smiling evilly at me. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Every time I see a Lalafell character in, in a dungeon in the world, I'm just like, up to something. They're all up to something. <laughs> There's bad is- stuff going down somewhere right now. <laughs> Very funny that the like I at first I thought it was like a very targeted quest line because the black or mm-hmm. the the thaumaturge twi- quest line is all what I don't know what they are falafels la la fells la la fells thank you <laughs> falafels I don't know but it's all, the, it's all those little guys it's all <laughs> like there's nobody else, nobody else is a thaumaturge except the little guys and I thought it was I thought I was getting a specific quest line because I was a la la fell no I didn't no, realize no no it's just. That's how it is. It's just um, coincidence that all the the <laughs> thaumaturges happen to be tiny little potatoes full of magic. <laughs> I guess, but you no, know, yeah, I, I, I know it. I believe it gets better. I believe it gets better. I'm enjoying myself. I did, I did do a dungeon last night, which was fun. I'm playing with my partner, and he tanked for us. He's also playing the game for the first time, so we're we're little sprouts. We're learning. Um, uh-huh. the, dun- the dungeon was fun. It's, You'll have more I, dungeons. I'm so th- Spooky mansion lady who like destroys oh, faces of beautiful women. Some that's good old that's a good one. Manor. That's yeah. a good one. That's a hard yeah, one to take. That's yeah. Most of the Realm Reborn ones until you get like later on are pretty good, pretty memorable. Um, there then there's kind of a dip, but I got to one finally in Heaven's Word that was like spooky book library, and I was a big fan of that one. So it, it does get better. But there's some great ones in Endwalker. Like holy crap! Like I do them myself just to because there's so much. So incredible. But anyway, it'll take some time. But Reb, you need to come on. I'm going to volunteer you for Sherlyan dropouts, even though I haven't even been on it yet. You're going to be on it next time, Eric. Oh, I know. I'm aware. I've I've been committed already, but we need to hear your takes specifically once somebody starts talking to you about wine. Uh, Those are the quests I really want to hear back from you on is is anything involving wine. (laughs) I forgot about that. Oh, the, that that was the one that broke me. That was the quest line that broke me. And I was like, for the love of God, Realm Reborn. <laughs> um, Nadia, so you've been playing Arceus, obviously, 14, obviously. Anything else to talk about this week before we get into the big topic? Nope, that's pretty much my life. Like I said, uh, we're just like getting I was just getting ready for this. Plus, uh, like I said, I was doing a white mage and it was funny because Mm-hmm. There's always this big, big debate in 14 about, and I guess any RPG, should a healer do DPS or should they mind their own business and heal? And the quest line for White Mage or Conjurer, we start as a Conjurer, is about how if White Mages slash Conjurers don't use attack magic, they mm-hmm. will literally die. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I yeah. said, this message is very clear. Why is there an argument about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's my life right now. <laughs> Well, let's talk about it then. Let's talk about the game we have all been playing because uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, it's been out for about a week now. We've all had some time with it. Uh, I know I've seen credits roll and done the epilogue. I believe the same is true for Ken and Rev. Nadia, have you gotten very far in it? Not extremely far. I'm in the second area. Uh, I have to admit I'm playing quite slowly because I keep doing side quests. I keep looking. I keep catching Pokemon. I can't stop. 
Uh, I earlier today, I think I was in an area I wasn't supposed to be. There was like mm-hmm. a rock blocking a path, so I'm like, I bet it can jump over this. And I th- kind of scaled like Skyrim horsed up mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. up the boulder. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. So I, I've been having I've a really an, good time. I have incredible news for you, Nadia. Throw a Pokemon at the rock. Holy shit! Really? Mm-hmm. That yes. thing's mm-hmm. huge. Things the game does not tell you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's just okay. rocks that kind of look breakable, possibly yeah. breakable, and if you just throw any pokemon at, literally any pokemon <laughs> at it they'll they'll just hit it with their head and knock it down and they don't tell you ever i oh, mean no, literally you could throw like i don't know you could throw an acorn at it probably and it knock the thing down but just it's like uh, that, yeah pokemon legends arceus let's let's start with ken million dollar question is it good how many words do i get to answer that question uh, 14 14, 14. Oh, Oh god, I, I used I just used six. Um, I like it a whole lot, and it is. Nah, you're out now. I, <laughs> well, it's been fun, y'all. Bye. And that's all the time so we have for today. Yeah, but but Ken, I know you and I have, have talked personally a lot about it. But uh, what has stuck out to you the most about Arceus, uh, especially compared to other Pokemon games? Uh, I think what largely has been my takeaway, like, and as a person that just tends to enjoy Pokemon less so for any of the, the catching, the battling, the, you know, uh, being the very best, like no one ever was of it all. Um, as mm. it's more about like the lore and the world of Pokemon. I think this is the first time one of the mainline games has really felt like it's lived up to the promise of that. And right. Um, Cause I, I think it was a very good game to pair with having just played the diamond and pearl remakes, because that was one of my takeaways. Like for a long time, diamond and pearl has been my favorite, uh, of the mainline games because I like had like a lot of attachment to the setting of Sinnoh for, you know, all these years. Yeah. And, um, but my biggest takeaway from playing the remakes was like, Oh, this world is actually just kind of like feels a lot smaller now as a person who like understands storytelling, which she did not as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like realizes that it, this world, like a lot of it had been filled in with my imagination and, you know, cause like they kind of just set these like baseline truths to the world in that game. But, you know, the, the characters that symbolize it, they are in there for one, you know, climactic battle, then you catch them and then the game moves on and moves back into, you know, okay, go finish getting your eight badges, go become the uh, Pokemon League champion. And so yeah. what I loved most about Arceus, you know, getting all the way through it was that it felt like it really gave, a, it was almost like a second chance for Sinnoh to matter in the way that it kind of has always been illustrated as, as like this origin point of the Pokemon universe. Right. And... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has been my biggest takeaway from it is that it, it feels like I, I got like a second chance at seeing the Pokemon world through those, like the, how I imagined it as a child, like through those eyes again, because the game was actually living up to those ideas. Mm-hmm. Reb, you yeah. seem like you kind of agree here. Oh, I just, I, I haven't heard, I've, I've been on like multiple Pokemon podcasts and I haven't heard that particular viewpoint from someone who really loved Diamond and Pearl before. And I really like hearing it. It makes me happy. Diamond and Pearl were not my favorite generation mm-hmm. of Pokemon. Yeah, same. Uh, mm-hmm. Revisiting them in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, I actually enjoyed them quite a bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't quite have the same feeling you did of feeling that the world was was very small. But like, I love I love that perspective. That that makes me really happy. And it's it's a cool thing to think about because one of the, one of the things I've gotten to do now that the review is done and I'm just sort of, you know, producing content now mm. <laughs> uh, is uh, I've been yes. working on 
doing like these comparison pieces like here there's all these little easter eggs of characters that are very clearly the ancestors of characters mm-hmm. in diamond and, ah, and other pokemon games actually too um and then the one that i'm working on now that isn't out yet is comparing locations so right. mm-hmm. uh, a really early game one that is probably not going to be a spoiler for anyone is there's a place in the first area called sand gem flats which is mm, yeah. just this it's a pretty big empty stretch of not much, but it is obviously going to be the area where San Jim Town is going to end up. And then mm. down mm. by the bottom, Little Root and the it is Little Root, right? I no, think Twin so, Leaf, yeah. Twin Leaf. Little, Little Roof is Hoenn. Little Root is Hoenn. Twin Leaf is, is Sino. Twin Leaf Town down at the bottom and then Lake Verity next to it. Um, and all, all of the location placement is like very, very accurate, I think, mostly. Mm. with There's a couple of places that they fudge a little bit, but it's very right. accurate. And I, you're, you're right. Like, that's something that I've been enjoying a lot in the post game is just like seeing the tie ins and seeing the parallels and seeing the lore parallels as well. Mm. You know, the, yeah. The, the sort of theology of Sino, as right. it were, mm-hmm. is, is very fascinating. And. I have opinions about that too that probably are too spoilery for this podcast. Mm. <laughs> I actually, um, I like to hear what Chef said about the lore of Pokemon because Cat. I don't think Cat cares about the lore, but I've always said like I've always been into the lore of Pokemon, the world of Pokemon. Mm. Um, Sun and Moon are actually my favorites, I think. And people say really? that Pokemon can't tell a story, but uh, there's a really devastating side quest in Sun and Moon that I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you got it. It was the one with the Eevees. Um, it was literally about growing old and dying. It was, it was really heartbreaking. It was uh, about this. There was this guy. I'll just retell it. Sorry for anyone who's yeah. heard it before. Uh, there's a Give guy. Give a few years old. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, there's a guy in a store in the uh, Sun and Moon region who uh, is just kind of like, hey, when I was your age or a little bit older, I was really cool. I was a, a really good Pokemon trainer. I ran with like the this gang of people who had EVs. Uh, you know, it had this one the guy Eevee who was, gang. it was an Eevee gang. <laughs> There's this gang. one guy who was like, oh, he had the Umbreon and he was so cool because he cheated death. And you had this other woman who was so beautiful and never seemed to age. And you had another woman who was just like almost psychic. Like she was just brilliant. And he go, he says mm-hmm. to you, hey, can you check up on these friends of mine? Because I have a family. You know, I don't really have any dreams mm-hmm. anymore. He doesn't say it like that. But he says, I don't have any time to, to check up on them. So you check up on them. And you discover each one is kind of aged in a very ironic way. Like the woman who was really sharp minded and had a Jolteon, she is you find her and she has dementia. She doesn't Aww. remember anything. She doesn't know mm. who you are. She doesn't remember anything about her past. The kind of fey woman who had the Sylveon, she's dead. So even though she seems so childlike and everything, she's gone. The woman this isn't Sun and Moon? This really? wasn't Sun and Moon. I swear are you to God. kidding? The woman who had the Leafeon, who was beautiful, ageless beauty, she you talk to her and she's still young, but she's like, I've had so much plastic surgery, my body's falling apart. And it just goes on and on like this. And this I'm is like, in Sun and Moon? This is in Sun and Moon. I'm not Did making you dream this, up. this? Oh, Did you no, play I a actually, fan game? <laughs> I actually wrote an article about it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll link to it on my Twitter later because I was really surprised. I'm saying, okay, you know what? This is a children's franchise, but it knows that older people are playing and... It is a very powerful quest about growing older. I was really glad to see it in Pokemon. So Pokemon can tell a good story when it wants mm-hmm. to. And I think Sun and Moon did that not just with that, but also the way Team, uh, gosh, what were their names? Team Skull? Um, yes. Yep. How, very, how very hopeless good. they were. <laughs> just Oh, my these, God. Oh, I, I so I love seeing that Sun and Moon had a great story. And I was a little disappointed that dialed that back for Sword and Shield. They had mm. some stuff in there that was kind of hidden. I really liked the, the link between Gordy and um, what's the name? Melanie. 
uh, I thought that was done really well. But otherwise, yeah, I'm just glad that there's a Pokemon game where, hey, it's okay to like the story in this one. Uh, come explore this this cool realm and and see what's what. So I have looked it up and can verify this is an actual quest in Pokemon I, Sun and Wow. <laughs> it is a side quest. You have to like talk to this unassuming yeah. guy in a store. So you probably missed it. It's very mm, yeah. Oh my God. Well, I'll, I'll admit like Sun and Moon is the only mainline Pokemon game I never finished. And I think that was mm-hmm. largely just because like the setting of Alola wasn't doing it for me, which is like. Oh, I love it, Alola. Yeah. And like Sword and Shield had their problems, but like I was a big fan of the Gala region. And that was like something that really drew me to that game. And help me stick with it I, throughout yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. No, um, I did love Sword and Shield, yeah. actually, for what it was. Um, mm-hmm. I will say Sun and Moon. I was playing it in the hospital because I just had a major surgery. Mm. And I was so high on morphine that I was <laughs> playing at one point. And some team Skull members. I, I woke up and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in the hospital, but I'm okay. I can play Pokemon. And I was doing okay. I was keeping track of everything. And then one of the team Skull members started saying the words grated cheese over and over again. I'm like... I should probably go back to sleep. And I did. <laughs> Nadia, there's like a rule, just like a constant with all of your stories that every time I think you're going to say something benign, there's going to be a twist in it somewhere. <laughs> That's why Mike, I was walking with Mike one time at PAX and I was telling a story and he just was like, why are all your stories so horrible? <laughs> <laughs> it's life is a rich tapestry and i've never found a person that embodies that concept more than you <laughs> just i think it's my life's curse. rich tapestry <laughs> oh my god but the point is there is there is that quest and it's very good oh, there wow. is and it segues into something that i think I, I really ended up liking about this game and i i've said it before but this i think now that i'm done with the story content outside of f- finishing the decks uh, this really rekindled my love for Pokemon. And mm-hmm. ironically, it did so by a making Pokemon feel more like a story, like an actual story separate from, I mean, I liked sword and shield for what it was, but it was basically an anime battle anime. Like it, it was, mm-hmm. it was yes. just sports anime right. and it, it, it did that and it went for that and it got that. But every single Pokemon game has been hitting the same beats for me where it's the Pokemon league. It's the gym. It's the elite four. And one of my favorite Pokemon beats for the longest time was in gold silver, where after you've taken down all like the structures, after you've taken down all the gyms and all the leaders and all the elites, you go and you take on uh, red and that was reds alone at the top of a mountain and there's so much just like, I mean, people have, you know, written entire fan fictions and done fan art about it and all that. But this is like this moment where you see this trainer that is legendary and he's just alone on the mountain because no one else has ever been able to challenge him. And there's like this inherent loneliness to that and that feeling of no one being able to match up and how that's isolated him a little bit. Now you're going to challenge him and he finally has an equal and you, he's found someone who might be able to best him. And like that, that was a cool moment, even as a yeah. kid, when I didn't really understand concepts. It was just like, oh, that's the that's Ash. <laughs> <He's got laughs> <a Pikachu. laughs> like, it's still cool. And I think uh, there's a moment in the post credits of Arceus that hits that same note where a certain mm-hmm. character shows up. And once their Pokemon start rolling out and you realize and start making connections, you're like, oh, shit. and and that is maybe one of my favorite moments in a pokemon game ever now Mm -hmm. is is the moment when a certain pokemon comes out and it all kind of clicks and you're like oh um Mm -hmm. 
is is real good and it's also just a darker story overall they oh deal with ideas like God. death like they're one of one of the main plot lines the the one with the the arcanine lord is about Aww. a pokemon dying and like everyone around that pokemon's death dealing with it and it's it's a story about grief in the middle of a pokemon game how do you mm-hmm. even manage to do something like that in in an e for everyone video game <laughs> but it works i i don't know like it's do we think the dark storytelling is is a good direction for Pokemon? Do we think that the the days of the well, Battle League are going over? Over what I just told you, I think it's been here for a while. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, but but are we in a place where the the Pokemon League, like the the structures of old Pokemon, are maybe oh, not see. the way forward for Pokemon anymore? So I have two like different feelings about what you're saying. The first is that like obviously yes, Pokemon has always dealt with like darker themes, but it's always been subtext, right? It's always yes. been right. been fill in the blanks for yourself. And I I do really like the story and I like a lot of the things that it implies, but I actually think that Legends Arceus dropped the ball hard on some of its story threads and I think mm. it's explicitly did so because it can't like it can't go further without busting into T for teen. Uh, there are, I, uh, I really, I really absolutely cannot talk about this without spoiling it for people. So there's just mm-hmm. no way, uh, but there are implications. There, there is a, so you mm, no, I just can't. There, no, <laughs> I, think I, know, I think I know, I think I know what you're going to exactly where I'm going with this. I, yeah. I, I literally can't, there is an implic. There, there are two characters that ha- there are implications for their lore that it never resolves and it is agonizing that it is not Mm. resolved. And there is no way an E for Everyone game that is for kids can really grapple with the extent of the trauma that has been inflicted upon them by the things that have happened to them. There is Mm. no way to grapple with it. And they, and because they they just, they just can't and they won't. And so there, there was a thing that I, I, w- I was hoping that the ending would at least brush over it a little bit mm-hmm. and at least like acknowledge it in some way. And so playing through this, I thought, oh, this is the ending that I'm working towards. This is the thing that I am striving for. And so I rolled the credits and then I did. I, it's basically a second act. I mean, it's not even mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. an epilogue. It's a se- it's a full, full second act. Right. Tons yeah. of stuff to do. Uh, but I did all of these things and I, I surmounted the fi- I finished the Pokedex. I surmounted the game's final challenge and it just it just ended. Like mm-hmm. there's there a very cool fight and there's a very cool feeling. And then it was just over. And these things right. were never resolved for me. And I found that so, so frustrating, like just, just agonizingly frustrating because, because I felt that there were characters who were not given their due and it, it, it's, it's still driving me nuts. I, I'm right. trying to write about it, but there's, there hasn't been like a good <laughs> way to do angry. so without making all yeah. the spoiler people mad. I do there's like there's like cool JRPG stuff here too that's that's very mm-hmm. it's very JRPG of it to do this. Yeah. Yes. But it's Pokemon and it can't talk about it. Oh man, I right. wish I could talk about this more. You know, you know. Yeah, I, <laughs> I kind of got the sense that the game ends the way it ends the way it does probably making room for DLC. And my uh. hope is that we will like, you know, they'll give us like another map or two. And then they will be able to like finally wrap up that plot thread, or like most mo- most of these plot threads, because um, you know I, I think they want to leave some. Well, I guess that's me moving into a different interpretation where like I think they just want to leave things ambiguous. But I also just genuinely think like they did not like wrap up the A plot, so like I feel mm-hmm. like a lot yeah. of those a lot of those B plots have to come all together and maybe just like a, you know 
a DLC, some expansion that we'll get maybe, you know, around the holiday, because that's about, you know, timeline-wise when you'd expect something like that to come out. Because, yeah, like, there are, like, for all of, like, the really, like, I, I that entire, I guess, like, last section, you know, from when, when shit starts to go south to the, uh, the true ending. Like, I think that's, that's collectively, like, my favorite Pokemon story segment. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I, it does, like like you said, like it, it leaves a lot still um, not finished and on the table, and I'm hoping that we're going to see some some kind of re- resolution because I, I think like even looking back at like things like X and Y, like you know the kind of uh, story that's happening in the back end of that with you know a certain character who is turns out to be a much older character than they appear, uh, and you know it gets into like you know deeper lore of the Pokemon universe that hits on similar like almost like despair inducing themes as that character we are alluding to in Arceus that got their resolution in the end. And so like, I I hope that they will in some way find a way to like actually, you know, finish the story, the stories that they've started with this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I hope so too, but I I do think, I do think that they've dug themselves into a particular hole on one of the two characters I'm talking about because you can't, you can't really resolve their plot without mucking up gameplay in a certain way, but mm. I, I do think there's a way to at least like touch on it. It's so hard to talk around. I should probably just, <laughs> yeah. So, so there are two, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a DM you real fast. Just to like, make sure <laughs> I have I'm, a mechanical all... keyboard, but <laughs> you can't uh, type this. While, while, while DMs are happening on the side, uh, just to circle back around and, and maybe move into some gameplay talk <laughs> is that I think on top of the the fact that there are no Pokemon battle leagues, battle gyms, whatever, one of the things I mentioned to Kenneth when we were talking the other day um, that I love about this game and I can't ever see going back to a normal Pokemon game with is it seems like everything has been extremely streamlined and made just simpler for the better of it because I, I, I mentioned that I'd caught a Pokemon and it learned a few moves and, you know, you end up with kind of a move library that you can swap in and out. And I love being able to swap moves on the fly like that alone mm, yeah. is already mm-hmm. incredible. But I was saying it's really weird. There's no growl. There's no sand attack. There's mm-hmm. like very Nothing few. Useless. Yeah. They figured like, out we weren't using any of those moves. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> After 25 years, they learned that none of us used them. You get so used to you get a Pidgey and the first six moves it learns are essentially useless. And then you get Gust and you're like, cool, I finally learned a move I'm going to use beyond the other ones. Uh, And that's one thing I really loved about this game that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about is like, I I don't feel like there are useless moves on Pokemon anymore. I feel like all of them have their place and their Mm. purpose, even the ones that you can end up teaching to them through different methods. And just the fact that, uh, I was trying to theory craft out how to beat that epilogue boss that I was talking about that super stacked six team uh, that is quite intimidating. And so I was going back and talking to the trainer and going like, okay, well, I've got uh, this Pokemon and it can learn ice punch. I think my ride on can learn ice punch too. So that's going to cover some type weaknesses that I've gotten. I, I really feel like this might be my spicy take. Someone I saw someone in the chat was saying, if Kat's not here, who's going to offer spicy takes this week? I think it's a good thing there's no multiplayer in this game. Straight up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Uh, Everyone would demolish I, each right. other. <laughs> no, I, I it, think that massacre. it opens up so much design space for them to create yes. interesting PvE mm. 
moments and not have to deal with so much of that. Abby, I'm trying. All right. I'm trying to deliver. (laughs) I I agree. I think I I think eventually it would be nice if they let you transfer to Pokemon home. Like my my Mm. mental ideal is that they basically make a they make a game that is the equivalent of Pokemon Stadium that Mm -hmm. just lets you transfer whatever the hell you want from Pokemon home. And then they just build an entire multiplayer system around that where the moves they try to balance that. Like, mm-hmm. like whatever mm-hmm. the moves can still have whatever names or whatever. And when they transfer into that, the mechanics work the way they do in whatever that Pokemon stadium equivalent is. But that's just the new multiplayer for Pokemon and everything mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. can just go to heck and they, they can do <laughs> yeah. whatever they want within the games. They can go like to that, double heck. They can go to double heck. That, that is the ideal for me because you're, you're exactly right, Eric. Like it is, mm. it is so much more interesting now that they're not, you know, trying to mm-hmm. make some kind right. of weird, balanced thing yeah yeah i totally agree with that and going back to it for a second to what chef and i were talking about it's really nice to have a game that really is there for the people who just want to have a one-on-one pve pokemon experience with Mm -hmm. a bit of a story it's a nice change Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right yes i gotta say that that does make me slightly i don't know if i want to say like i'm this may maybe be pessimistic of me, but like I, it makes me fearful that we're not going to like this isn't going to be the way forward for the series because like they, they have so much like even you know baked into the old games like they have like you know a competitive like community that they have to cater Very. to that is mm-hmm. yeah you yeah know, the thing that's like the albatross around the series neck for so long is it like an arcade feels like an acknowledgement of like the system that we have created with this franchise does not support the stories in the worlds that we have created and so mm-hmm. i don't know like i i i don't think that game freak needs to like make more like because I mean, like they're, they're already putting out annual games at this point and so, like, how you slot in, like, you know, the, the mainline Generation 9 game and another Legends game and also, like, probably a remake, exactly. another remake at some point. Like, that company is just, like, being stretched so thin at this point. Um, and, so, yeah, I don't really know where they go from here in terms of, like, Maybe what they're... Get, uh... Sorry to interrupt. Maybe get another yeah. studio to develop it, like Bandai Namco. Mm. Didn't they do Snap Two? Yeah. BDSP was yep. was done by Milka. another company too, Milka. right? Milka. Yeah. 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 That, that also is like, I mean, I, I should be in charge of Pokemon, honestly. There you go. Oh, give it to Reb. Give it <laughs> all to Reb. Reb's in is, charge of Pokemon I, now. Right. We solved if I, it. If I were queen of Pokemon, I would like, I would basically, I would, I would give Game Freak money to hire a bunch of people and basically mm-hmm. make two, two separate like internal mm-hmm. Game Freak studios. And then I'd put them on a four year cycle. So we get mm-hmm. a game every year but a different team develops develops it every t- time. So one year mm-hmm. we get Gen 9, whatever the next like big mainline generation game is and game freak main studio gets to make that and then the the next year we get ilka doing like a nice very traditional very confined top-down remake black and white whatever they want to make and then the Mm. year after that bandai namco gets a turn and they get to do snap or pokin or Mm. like whatever like kind of spinoff thing they want pokemon art academy bring it back that was a great game that was was a great game it was a really good game and then year four we get second game freak studio doing another legends game or another like almost mainline game but that's kind of a little weird and then it, and it circles card back jockey. sure and then it Pokemon circles back that jockey. fourth year to gen 10 or whatever and we just keep doing that because because and we don't have to we can keep talking about this but 
I am the one with the spicy takes because I gave it a seven at IGN, and I do think this game has problems. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. well, ta- tell us about the problems. Though. Let's hear about the problems. This it's, is a holistic spoiler cast. It's so empty, guys. It feels so <laughs> Thank empty. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I know, you. I know Kenneth disagrees because we're on a podcast with Imran and he told me you disagree. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, it just, it does. And well, so number one, I do think it looks bad. And I, I, I am not someone mm. who really cares about games looking right. good. So I think if it were just, oh yeah, the textures are kind of eh, whatever, like Sword and Shield, I sort of got over. I think if it were just that on its own, if that was literally the only problem, then I'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm. Not every game has to look like Breath of the Wild, but it does look bad. I mean, just just flat out it does um there's a very weird thing i think the thing that drives me the most nuts is the weird thing it does where when you are far enough away from a large pokemon that it still appears in the world but it's like very far away from you the frame rate just tanks so it looks like mm-hmm. a stop motion animation mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like i see the steelix just going eh, 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 i have not eh, seen eh, that and i wonder is it something to do with maybe i'm i'm playing handheld and i'm playing oled and the most problem i've noticed is of course the textures are ugly as hell but that my main problem is is the pop in is very very bad. The We're talking about like Especially Final Fantasy Seven airship yep. yeah. bad. I I do think it is it is like marginally better on handheld. I have not played on OLED. I I right. do think you are going to see a lot more of this once you get flying. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it can happen when you it can happen when you're on the ground too. But I I think a lot of it is just you're you're at that distance a lot more often when you're flying. Right. Um. Mm. But but yeah, I I feel the world is very empty and the. I think I think if you're just thinking about it in terms of well, there's Pokemon any everywhere. Well, yes, there are absolutely there's Pokemon everywhere. But again, not to overdo the Breath of the Wild comparison, but it's like if the only thing in Breath of the Wild were its cool outdoor interacting systems, which are cool, mm-hmm. like they're very mm-hmm. awesome. But if the shrines were gone, if the dungeons were gone, if if the weird like caves you could walk into and there were like guardians guarding a bunch of stuff and there's like treasure chests on the other end mm-hmm. and all that was mm-hmm. gone. If there were enemies randomly scattered throughout the world, but there weren't like precisely placed like Bacoblin camps and stuff. If all that was mm, gone yeah. and it was just the systems, that's what this is like. The Pokemon right. system is incredible. Like they have revolutionized it. It is fantastic. I, I ca- I've been catching Pokemon for 80 plus hours and I still feel compelled to go back even though I have the dang shiny charm. But mm-hmm. man, there's just nothing else going on. And that mm-hmm. kills me. I, I played a little bit of Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl the other day because I was trying to grab screenshots for that uh, thing that I was writing that I told you about. And I realized, well, one, I realized, wow, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl does look kind of bad in comparison too. <laughs> uh, we really just don't have good looking Pokemon games anymore. But but kind of on top of that, like Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl feels crowded. It feels, there's right. a bunch of stuff going on. I I went to go see, uh, I was trying to get a screenshot of the place where Giratina is in Diamond and Pearl, mm. which is a mm-hmm. place called uh, Turnback Cave. And I hadn't been in there in Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl yet. And I went and I had completely forgotten about it. It's this wild maze that gives yep. you like no context. And it's got like these weird, it's, it's foggy. It's got these clues on these pillars. You have to go go like down this whole mountainside to get to it. Uh, and then you run through these rooms. There's wild Pokemon. There's like these cryptic rooms. You don't know what's going on. Gosh, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, this is a spoiler, I guess, like Giratina's in the game, whatever. Uh, but, oh, no. <laughs> sorry. Uh, but when you eventually it, get to the point where you are ready to capture Giratina, it's in a cave that roughly corresponds to where it would be in mm-hmm. Diamond and Pearl. But you walk in and it's just a room with Giratina in it. And it's yeah. just, man. Yeah. This is my it, house. I. They, yeah. And they, there's so many things like that. The other, mm-hmm. the other example that I'll give and then I'll shut up is there is 
there's a cave in the first area, Obsidian Fieldlands. There's a cave. It's called Orboro Tunnel, which is like it's Orberg, basically. And I, I got excited. Like, I, I think I found it on my second trip to that area. Like, I'd already been through the whole area multiple times and like, I, like all the way up to Heartwood and stuff like that. And I was like just re-exploring for whatever reason. And I found it. I was like, oh, this is cool. It's a cave. I haven't run into a cave before. I bet there's like cool mysteries and exciting stuff in here. And I, I went in and it's a single long tunnel. It had three Zubat in the middle and then it went out the exit was a place I'd already been. I was like, wow, this just, mm. it just, man, it was yeah. so deflating. And it, Pokemon needs dungeons. I'm just going to say it. It needs a dungeon, a better I, dungeon. It, it needs so, something. Cause I think so many pieces of this world, like you were saying, I think of other games like breath of the wild has that, um, Eventide Island where you just stumble right. upon it and you're like, what the hell's going on here? And it's like, by the way, no more powers have fun. And, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reference to Link's awakening. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or 15 has the Pityos dungeon, which is this just thing that you can find. It ends up being this completely cool challenge thing that gets you something really awesome. And so many open world games, when they expand in these ways, create that stuff it gives them the literal room to create stuff in the sandbox to have those special unique encounters and really what i found that pokemon arceus did with the space was they just filled it with pokemon and there's not even really a lot of landmarks or anything to go by it's not a particularly memorable space outside of a few major locations uh even once you find some of the settlements for like diamond and pearl uh, like like the actual Diamond and Pearl clans, they're just kind of like huts, and that's it. And and there's just kind of some people standing about, and you might get like one side quest there. Yeah, that's just like all the other side quests you've done in Juba Life. So it's it just does not feel a lived in to me. Which you know, it's the wilderness is not necessarily supposed to be lived in to the extent that mm-hmm. Juba Life is, but it also just doesn't feel like the Pokemon live there either it feels like the pokemon just spawn there and yes. that's one of my major things with this game that mm-hmm. i want to see them do better is not just be like well this is the ice level so let's put all the ice pokemon here like give me a reason for why some are inhabiting in some places i mean this might be too much for the engine but like what if the pokemon interacted in some way what if there was that level of them bumping into each other and causing problems and fighting and stuff like that, that yeah, games I'd like, like Monster that. Hunter or, or Zelda do, it feels like these Pokemon live in isolation from the world around them. And so uh, that's like a major, major thing I, mm. I, I keep coming back to. And Ken, you keep giving me the hmm that mm. tells me mm. that you've got something mm. to say. So <laughs> I've I'm... heard that hmm many a time. <laughs> So I'm putting in the chat now this really, really good write-up from Wired uh, titled Pokemon Legends Arceus isn't great. It doesn't matter. And, great uh, write-up. Yeah, the kind of to the TLDR of it is that it talks about how, like, you know, as an open-world game, Arceus is, like, a very flawed, you know, almost to some degree feels unfinished thing. Um, and so, like, this is not the Pokemon game that we wanted, but it is it doesn't matter because like it's going to sell millions of copies and game freak won't have any, won't have any reason to iterate on it. Oh yeah. I've heard that one many Mm. times. Yep. As a person who does not like open world games, like just kind of broadly, I don't want an open world Pokemon game. I don't want one that is so filled with bullshit. That's just there to waste my time. And I think what I got most out of Arceus, well, 
eventually when I was like powerful enough to be able to like just walk the world through the world and not worry about getting my ass whooped by an alpha Pokemon was I, there was like just a serenity to it for me that mm-hmm. just like exploring this world and in a way that most open world games just never get out of me because like, you know, if, if all I know, I'm, I'm going to go this way, I'm going to get a bunch of like a bunch of filler side quests that are just strictly meant to waste my time and like occupy me for long stretches of time where here I was just like, I found myself going more off the beaten path just cause I like the, the knowledge that new Pokemon were out there was enough for me. And yeah, that's not I agree. like, I am usually like an A, like A to B person. Like I want to get, I start here and I want to get to the, to the objective and I want to keep, you know, progressing the story. And so in that way, like Arceus was just like this anomaly for me because I never, you like, I usually like if there's side stuff to do or other places to explore, I don't go back into them until I'm kind of done with, you know, the main story or, you know, whatever it is, it's mostly captivating me and making me go forward. And so in that way, like I, I get that Arceus has faults as an open world video game, but in terms of it being like this uh, sort of this new iteration of the Pokemon experience that I enjoy, I mm. didn't feel like I was missing the things that a lot of people that maybe are, you know, more uh, in, into open world games and, and, you know, have the more direct comparison to Breath of the Wild game. I played for three hours larger respect but also don't ever really want to play again um so that was just kind of where i sat on an argument because like i i do think that like if they if you know any other franchise we would look at this game and be like okay this is like a strong foundation for something more lived in more you know lively in all these other ways but when it's pokemon and that series takes three to four games to like meaningfully iterate on anything um i don't know what the next legends game looks like um so yeah i I get those those shortcomings, but also like those shortcomings are kind of paramount to why I enjoyed the game as much as I did as a person mm-hmm. who doesn't want to play open world games more than often than not. So I like super respect that. Like that was a really well articulated reason to love this game. I do have a question for you though. How do you feel? Because you say you don't want games to give you stuff to waste your time. Do you not feel like the second act wasted your time? Because I feel like the second act wasted my time. Uh, in terms of well. I'm trying to two, ask this. Two things. I'll, are, are we I'll, talking? I'll, we're I'll talking be... about the plates that you have to no, get. No, actually, or... the, pl- the plates I thought were fine. Um, no, I'll, I'll actually be a little more specific because I don't think this is too spoilery. There, there are basically two things that happen in the second act uh, that I think are massive time wasters. There's one which is like technically, I think you get it in the first half of the game, but you really don't actually have to do it until the second half. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a massive collectathon in this game of a hundred. Oh, the wisps. Se- uh, hundred and seven. Those things. Wi- yeah. is, a, is a side mm-hmm. quest that you actually have to do in order to see the true ending of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was just good to know. a massive waste of time. Yeah. Good mm. lord, the amount of time I spent flying in circles at night around mm. zones, just looking for a little purple glow. Real fun gameplay here, guys. Uh, and then the other thing is actually finishing the Pokedex, which mm. again is required for the true ending. And I think like like finishing a Pokedex is a very Pokemon thing to do, and I don't have a right. problem with that in and of itself. But the fact that there were there are multiple Pokemon, like the fact that the way the world is designed is such that there are some Pokemon that are rare and in order, it's not just a matter of wandering around an area until they you happen upon them in a mm-hmm. random encounter. You you have to like go, you basically like go to an area, go to the spot where they are. If they're th- if they're there, great. But if they're not there, which they probably mm-hmm. aren't because they're rare, you have to like leave and then either sleep or right. go back to town mm-hmm. and then come back mm-hmm. and do it all over again. And this is just mm-hmm. mindless and tedious. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, I guess yeah. where are you at on that? Uh, I think. In the case with the Wisps, like, yeah, I think, like, that is, you know, compared to the rest of the game, that is, you know, this very, like, time-consuming thing. I think the difference between that and, like, you know, other open-world games, 
in other open world games, there would have been three to four quest lines that were like that were structured that way. Okay. And mm-hmm. I think the fact that it was just this one thing, um, you know, it, you know, with, with a payoff that you kind of see, you see coming because of the item that it involves. Right. Yeah. You know what it is. Um, I, I think that if like again, like if it had been multiple different quest lines that I had to do of that nature, I think that was when it would have been too much. But it, like in its own way, like it was different than a lot of the other stuff you had to do in the game. So I think that's just where it kind of didn't bother me in the same way that another game would have as far as the uh catching the pokemon thing like yeah there were like like cherry fuck that thing i never i don't see that in, i never want to see that I've thing in another pokemon of, game again i've heard a lot of fuck cherry um, on twitter everyone online is talking about cherum man they haven't yeah. even gotten to the cherry what i found like I've, 20 cherums <laughs> like I, I found cherum like off the critical path just like wandering around and like mm-hmm. i was like i know cherry is gonna be a problem because i had heard about it so I was, like i'm just gonna like catch you now and hope that I never have to like deal with this later. But luckily, shout out to Prima Games, Jesse Otelli, who found the cherubi and sent it to me, so I did not have to keep looking. Ah, um, good man. Yeah. There, there's been a trade network established to yeah. finish this game at some we point. We couldn't trade during the review period. Jordan Midler and I were ripping mm-hmm. our hair mm-hmm. out. Him trying to find a Magmi, me trying to find a cherubi and a Munchlax. What a nightmare. Mm. Mm. See, that's, that's why... Kids, it pays to not be a games reviewer. <laughs> really, yeah. Children, warn, Ken, you are warned. I actually um, fall kind of in between the middle because uh, Shep brings up a lot of good points and Red brings up and Eric B bring up a lot of great points. My thing, though, is that I am so busy looking for those Pokemon. I don't really notice how ugly and pop up and, and mm. weird the world is. So it just that's fair. That's fair. It doesn't bother me that much, but I completely mm. understand uh, there could be more effort put into i i was saying on our previous episode that game freak has a lot of problem with environments even though they're really good at modeling so mm-hmm. they're still <laughs> learning and i know that's a weird thing to say because i mean a lot of people are down on game freak because yeah their games can be kind of halfway in many ways and incredible in others and, and awful in, in, in mm-hmm. other ways but uh i just hear about how especially from the pokemon fandom which is the most toxic fandom on the right. internet oh my god and i've been around a lot uh, they just go on and on about how they're lazy. They don't care. They're just, you know, trash. And of course, they're not all of that. They, they're developers. They kind of have these weird methods sometimes. And they are strangely, weirdly behind when it comes to graphics. Because like I said last week, the only good looking Pokemon game is uh, Black White and Black 2, White 2. Everything else is kind of like a generation behind. Mm. But... I, I just kind of take Game Freak for who they are, but mm. that doesn't mean I don't want to see them improve with an RTS2. Right. And I think they will, because they really kind of got their bearings with Sword and Shield, where the open world was kind of, okay, uh, this is definitely flat, if you want to talk about things that are even flatter than Arceus. But then they came out with the um, the DLC, which mm. really showed, okay, it still wasn't perfect, but they got a much better grasp on what it mean, means to have like open 3D environments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they stepped from that to Arceus, which is another improvement. And I think after that, uh, we'll get something even better. God knows where the Switch will be at that time, but whatever. Mm. Yeah, I, I am kind of wondering what the road forward, and we talked about this a little bit already, but what the road forward for Pokemon does look like, because I do think, honestly, in my heart of hearts, we will go back to the normal Pokemon rollout. But I mean, Arceus has been selling well, so maybe this is a case where they they strike lightning a bit with this one and maybe do a remake and and do another Legends after this. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see some DLC. There's a lot of Kanto Pokemon that ain't in this game that we could see. I think there's definitely going to be DLC. 
Kanto, no Johto, the classics, baby. Johto would be great. I'm sick of Kanto. I do think I I will believe that they are making another Legends game when I see them make another Let's Go game first. Not that, yeah. that one yeah. Let's Go yeah. Silver and Gold. Uh, well, yeah, I do too. But they, everyone said after Let's Go Pikachu, they're like, oh, this is great. We They should do more things like this. And we haven't seen hide nor hair mm. of Let's Go since. So I think they may just be, I mean, it takes, takes years to make these things. And I think they, I, I truly think that Game Freak like doesn't, they know what they're doing, but they like, they're, thro- they're throwing spaghetti at the wall right now a little oh, bit because, because I mean, mm-hmm. th- and this is like a thing I've thought about a lot, but they're, they were handheld developers, explicitly right. handheld game developers. Exactly. And, and exactly. I, I think their sprite work, like I think the, the old games like Red, Blue, Gold, Silver, mm-hmm. um, I think, mm-hmm. I think Hoenn looked amazing for, yep. for its time. Like I, mm-hmm. I think, the, I think the old handheld games look really, really good, but there came a point when was it, I guess it was X and Y when they realized, ah, oh, man, guys, we, <laughs> we got go to go 3D. We got to go 3D. And, and that was, man, like it has not been the same since because mm-hmm. they have had to adapt to a thing that I, I don't think they like doing. I mean, maybe, maybe some of them do, but like, like when you think how much so many Pokemon designs have lost in the jump to 3D, when you look at some of those old sprites and like how fearsome and mysterious some of them looked and like Tangela is a horrible mm. example mm-hmm. of a Pokemon that used to be a creepy set of eyes and a ball of vines. And now it's like a little black happy ball with little oh, shoes on so it because you got to show the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I think they had to make some really hard decisions when they saw the direction of the industry and when they saw the direction of Nintendo as well, because Nintendo does not have a dedicated handheld anymore. They have the Switch, but if you're developing for the Switch, you have to develop for console. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I I think they're trying to figure out still, you know, what, 10, after 10 almost years of this, I don't know how long it's been, what does Pokemon look like as a console game? And they don't know yet. They're just sort of yeah. like figuring it out based on what, how people's response to these different things. And I think that must be really hard. So I try to have, right. yeah, I try to have some sympathy, even as I'm annoyed at, like the fact that we have so many wonderful examples of open world monster open world games with monsters in them. And we, we still get this kind of empty thing. Mm. Yep. That that's Pokemon legends right yep. there. A weird, a weird step. I think in the legends of Pokemon overall, like I, I am curious, you know, years from now, how we're going to look back on this game, whether yeah. this ends up being, mm. A shifting point it's the same way i feel about breath of the wild where i go this is either a fulcrum point for a franchise or this is going to be one of the weird offbeat games and they immediately go back to the old formula and nintendo's kind of in that place now where they're doing mm. a lot of stuff like that who knows how much of it sticks that kirby game looked good though so kirby looks good. <laughs> at least we're getting some cool looking weird nintendo games out of it at the end of the day but that's going to wrap it for our thoughts on well, one, one, one more oh, question. One, Ken, I have a question for the room. Oh, okay. Okay. Is, is that okay? Yeah. No, no, yeah. Okay. Yes, no, please. no, no. This is my uh, podcast. <laughs> question. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like, this isn't a 50, 50 show anymore. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, uh, question for the room. Where do y'all think the next best place to go for a game like this in Pokemon will be? Cause I, I've kind of come around on the idea of a Kalos game. Just because, like, that mm. has like a very specific historical point in the Pokemon right. lore that would be like interesting to go back and see. Because, um, like, I, I think like you know the the business uh, sort of standpoint would be like go back to Kanto where everybody flocks to if they ever want like another Pokemon game. But I also don't think that that uh, region has that same like historical significance no. that Sinnoh did. Because like you know the, the legendary Pokemon in the game is Mewtwo, and like his story has been. 
you know, told in so many other ways already. And it's not, it does not seem like the basis of an open world game. So mm-hmm. yeah. It's an explicitly yeah. modern story too. It's like a science right. story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause like it, it's happened like within like a few months or so of like yeah. when red and blue start. So yeah, I'm uh, admittedly not super big into the Pokemon lore, but I heard someone mentioning like the idea of exploring Ho-Oh and stuff like that and, uh, and taking it in that direction. And as I'm someone who has played maybe like four Pokemon games in my life, that's I was like, sure. Yeah, that sounds cool. There was some cool stuff around Ho-Oh and, the, and that story mm-hmm. in, in Gold Silver. So I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I would I would also go to Johto for purely the reason that I think, well, the combination of reasons that I think it is of all the regions, probably one of the ones with the most established, like very ancient lore. Maybe Alola mm. is in there too. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, Ho-Oh, the burn tower is a very obvious right. focal point. The other thing too, is I think it would actually going to Johto would give them an opportunity to solve one of my biggest problems with the game, which is how empty it is because Johto is a place with a lot of ancient history. And a lot of those towns are very old. Like Ecritique City mm-hmm. is supposedly like very old. Um, I think Azalea Town is maybe a little bit older as well because it's got the Shrine and Elex Forest and Celebi. And so like like there would be opportunity to, if they wanted to keep going with this Isekai thing, like they could mm-hmm. they could keep doing that, keep going back in time, keep exploring ancient Pokemon world, but have like a little more going on, a little more people, mm-hmm. a little more yeah. bustling around. They do mention multiple regions existing mm-hmm. at the time of Legends Arceus. Like I think I think Alola comes up multiple times. Uh uh, uh Galar come, Galar's obviously there. It's a, actually a story about colonialism, funny that. Yeah. Uh but <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think yeah. Leventon's from Galar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Kalos region, that was, was that black? No, X and Y, right? That was X and Y. Yeah. Okay, because I'm trying to remember the story for that. There was a massive war or something, wasn't mm-hmm. there? So yeah. mm-hmm. I would actually, war, I know war is a very depressing place to go in Pokemon, right. but it is mentioned so often, I just mm. feel like maybe we could have a E for everyone war, uh, E10 for <laughs> so war at the most. <laughs> because, yeah, I would like to, that is a region that does not have a lot of history that's explored extensively. So I would go mm-hmm. there. Or Alola, um, as you said, Reb. Uh, uh, this game, Arceus, kind of has a, a colonial theme to it. I mean, you you're in Hokkaido. You're talking to the Diamond Clan, who are the their indigenous tribes, aren't they? So you're kind of getting all up in their business. So that's a, a, a thing mm-hmm. that's brewing from the story from my uh, where I am right now, and that's yes. kind of interesting. Yeah. More explicitly, the further you get on, that mm-hmm. the the, ga- the galaxy <laughs> expedition team is a bunch of freaking colonialists. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, hell. Kids got to learn about colonialism sometime. May as well. Here's Pokemon <laughs> to tell you about. Got to teach them sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would like to see Kalos too. Yeah. Yeah, Valexia in the chat says I could see ancient Johto being the main setting. While not yet explored or settled, Kanto is post-game content. You oh, could do that link God. over too. Yeah, please, please, just man, everybody, all anybody has wanted for years is just another game where Kanto and Johto are like the same, mm-hmm. the same yeah. game. And you get man, that we love that. It works so piece. well. Talk about the thing that everyone loved about one game very, very early on that they never, never did, did again. again. Mm-hmm. That's Pokemon because they could never find the magic space in the cartridge again. <laughs> that oh, was it's only that Iwata. Was it's mm-hmm. a, Iwata magic. Woo-hoo. It's, magic. it's mm-hmm. time to move on. It's time for something that I probably could have cut from the schedule this week and did not think to do until today. But it's an untitled Eric segment, uh, and this one is pretty straightforward.
Did y'all know the Winter Olympics were on this week? I completely forgot. I did. I did because I was trying to watch wrestling the other night. And my the thing I used to watch wrestling said, hello, would you like to record any of the Winter Olympics? And I said no. And then I went and watched wrestling. Yeah. I had I had a moment <laughs> a good yesterday where I saw someone talking about curling. And I was yeah, like, curling. oh, I love, I love curling. I'm always down for some curling. But why are we suddenly talking about curling? It's like February. Why are we doing this? And then I saw another tweet that was like, oh, the Olympics are on right now. Like they're happening right now. Uh, I legitimately had no clue. So I looked into this. I was curious. Eric wondered, why is no one talking about the Winter Olympics? Well, number one, we're all still freaking inside. Number two, (laughs) um, it is a weird Olympics because we're all still freaking inside. I saw a video of them doing bartending at this Olympics mm. in full PPE Oh, the gear. hazmat suit. Yeah, I saw Yeah, that. this was dystopian shit happening in real time of this like plastic screen and everything's covered and the bartender is in looks like one of the dudes from Monsters, Inc. that like cleans out the the monsters that get uh kids stuff on them and all that i was gonna say chernobyl 2319 2319 that whole thing um just pouring drinks and stuff and i was thinking to myself i was like if you're like if you're that worried but you still want to drink that should like tell you that something is up (laughs) with the situation we shouldn't be doing this is what you're cutting to and you're absolutely right probably should have given it a rest also as spirus points out in the chat geopolitical conflict because uh ding 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 that's the word of the day (laughs) our word of the show is geopolitical conflict uh several countries including the u.s are protesting these olympics on human rights grounds over the treatment of the Uyghur population population i hope i'm pronouncing that correctly Uh, i looked it up beforehand and probably butchered it anyways but uh the Uyghur population population see i've butchered it twice in uh china and also just general anti-china stance from the u.s the uk and a few other countries so curling's happening right now y'all at least curling is happening it's a weird i mean look the olympics have always been kind of a weird uh i'm really excited to watch this because i freaking love the olympics as a sporting situation as a competition and a display of skill it is always fun to watch you know i love seeing people that are incredibly good at an incredibly specific skill get to show that off though at the one point in their life where they get to be the best in the world at it like there is one dude that is trained to be really good at the pommel horse and that dude's gonna <laughs> show up to the olympics and kick ass at the pommel horse and it's gonna be the greatest moment of his life i love watching that and then you stop and you think about the olympics for like 10 seconds and you're like oh this is a lot of like nationalism and there's a lot of controversy around every single olympics no matter which one it is it always happens (laughs) yeah yeah we used to i will say to cheer things up though we used to have a figure skater uh kevin reynolds for canada who used to skate to uh Chrono Cross music and Chrono Trigger music. Ooh, and he did Tank one nice. year. He dressed up as Spike, Spike Spiegel. And I love people who do that in the in, in the Olympics because it confuses yeah. the old so badly and they're so ah. angry that children would skate to video game music. What is this nonsense? But no, he was great. He had spiky red hair and apparently he was huge in Japan. His nickname was Chrono. Everyone should only ever skate to Pachelbel's canon. That's what they think. 
Yeah. I don't know what yeah. I figure skate to. Maybe death metal. <laughs> Doing like. Yeah. Ba- <laughs> can we do baby metal? Really cool. That would be my figure skating song would be that baby metal song that always gets played. That's a good song. Ken, what would be your figure skating song? Oh, come uh, on. There's, there's got to be like Utada Hikaru, any song. Oh, sure. One last kiss. That's, yeah, that's my go-to yeah. answer for anything that involved me moving toward to music. Yeah, there we go. There Good we answer. go. Reb, Reb, you just do Pachelbel's canon or? No, that was a joke about the oh, old. Fine. God, Look, no. I don't know. I, I don't know what you want to do. Really? Yeah, because I was band. I was in band as a kid and played like like third clarinet, so I always had the the like really boring melt like under stuff in Pachelbel's mm-hmm, canon. Mm-hmm, and I sang mm-hmm. alto, so when he's, you, I mean, you know, you was know everyone in America in a band? Like, is there yes, something that was required? We were all slash, in band. If we weren't in sports, we were in band or choir. Yes, one of the two. Uh, there yeah. you go. Okay. Uh, no, I would probably. We have half a choir here between an alto and a tenor. So I don't know what uh, I am to be honest with you. I don't know. I've always wanted to know what my voice is because I want to sing, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Where, you where you start is, is there a between tenor and bass? Is it baritone or baritone. whatever? I think yeah. I'm baritone. Am I baritone? Yeah. Oh, I was hoping I was baritone. No, I've been told that no, I've been, I've been no. alto. No, no, you'd be alto, yeah. Yeah, you're probably alto. I get to also, sing in the awesome. back and do that while <laughs> with no. that face. Don't make fun of altos. We get like the, I don't like want the to make fun of altos. I love the fact that I'm an alto. I can sing along to like Aerosmith, no problem. But like anything that a female is singing, forget it. I tried to mm-hmm. sing Christine from Phantom of the Opera. It was oh, death. I will well, never. Well, that's that's because that's a very high soprano song. That's, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. So that's like the, the pinnacle. I'm good at the Phantom. What? Just like the insolent boy, the slave of fashion. I love that shit. Christine is not what you want to compare yourself to. That is like the pinnacle of sopranoism, right there. Like that's don't the... e- don't even worry about that. No, uh, turn it down like six heights. six keys. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would skate to Undertale, obviously. Most likely, that would be. Okay. I, oh my God, hopes and dreams. Hopes and that dreams. Would be yeah. yeah, hopes yeah, and dreams. Yeah. I think would be it. Yeah, that would be incredible. Why has no one done that? Yeah, they're cowards. Because people aren't brave like Karen Reynolds. Those people jocks. Like Why Reynolds. haven't they found Undertale yet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the <laughs> wrestlers have found Undertale. That's true. That's true. The, the wrestlers the are aware found of Undertale. Undertale. The Pope oh, found <laughs> people. People keep trying to show Undertale to the Pope. Have you noticed that? Like first there was the game theory guy who like brought him a copy of Undertale and then and then they did the the performance. Why do why are people so interested in showing the Pope Undertale? What do they think this is going to accomplish? It'll be a religious experience unlike anything he's had. (laughs) They want they want to know if Sans can be saved or not. You know, is is Sans Christian? Poe, you are making this (laughs) such a problem. You were going Robo sits better in laps than you do. You're Uh a problem cat. You say that Uh because you don't live with her. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is what it is. Uh, that's going to do it for the Untitled Eric segment. But a reminder for all of our ongoing stuff at Blood God, we do have the Pantheon going on right now. We're all playing Final Fantasy Tactics. If you want to catch up and check out the Game Club stuff, you can head over to Monthly Game Club, where people are sharing all their wonderful playthroughs and also talking about how to get into Final Fantasy Tactics. Because it turns out to play that game in the year 2022, you need a phone or a PlayStation Vita, and that's it, baby. Yes. <laughs> Square Enix will never port this game. <laughs> they will make new expensive figures for it because that's a thing, I guess. So be sure to check out our Bloodborne Pantheon episode as well. Like I mentioned before, that is up and out for all backers. And also we have a new upcoming special that I'm happy to announce that Kat told me I get to announce right before the show started. Uh, 
our upcoming special for this month, the blood God guide to tactics RPGs. Uh, we're going to take you through the history of tactics RPGs. Is this a way for me to talk about anime world war two without just talking about anime world war two? Yes, it I will be probably there. Probably is. But I think this mostly came from us making the Pantheon vote and starting the Pantheon vote and then being like, probably should have put devil survivors in that pantheon phone. <laughs> so yeah. you know what we're just going to do that we're going to talk about devil survivor we're going to talk about front mission we'll talk about XCOM. probably there's no way in getting around that so everything tactics we'll talk about leading up to that triangle strategy launch on march 4th it'll be a good briefer for all y'all so plenty of tactics to come and now nadia's nostalgia pit Oh, yeah. Well, we don't know if it's a pit or a nook today. It's kind of in between. Is it a nook or a pit? There's nothing in the notes. I have no idea what's coming. I forgot to ask. (laughs) I have no idea what's coming. The plague is what's coming. No, I was just going to talk about, um, I guess, Shep, how old are you? 29. No. (laughs) So. Why did it start with that? Well, it's quite benign. I was just thinking about the old ways in which I would get my video game news, which was mostly going to a variety store and trying to read it off the rack while I got yelled at by the convenience store people. Now, children today, you don't understand how how easy you have it, because when we had only magazines, that's exactly what I was doing. I was going to the variety store, sneaking over to the rack, kind of flipping through a few pages of, of GamePro or whatever was out at the time and, and being yelled at by the convenience store owner who did not like us because we were school children and school children made his 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 uh, man, his his stuff disappear, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Th- so this was my lunchtime activity. <laughs> this was how I had to get game news back in the day because couldn't really afford a subscription to magazines at the, at the time. Uh, They're quite expensive in Canada. Um. Now, interesting thing is that my school, we were allowed to leave the property at lunchtime and go visit stores that were nearby. And I've been told that it wasn't very common. Might be more common in either Canadian schools or just schools that have actual retail where you can go to. In fact, a lot of kids even went home for lunch. But that's how I learned about Mega Man X, which obviously is, is a game that means a whole lot to me and has mm-hmm. changed my life in many strange ways, including and up to, I have written the Maverick Hunter field guide with my husband who I met through Mega Man. Go read it, go buy it. You're good. So I just wanted to just reflect on those days, getting that news a couple of pages at a time, sneaking over mm-hmm. your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Someone behind you steals like a gummy and runs out and completely distracts the, the owners for a while. Thank you. I'm going to go back and read the entirety of this article now. Okay, I'm good. And you go home, you go to uh, back to school for the second half of the day, tell all your friends, this is what's coming. And they'll go, wow. And see, that was a very harmless nostalgia note. That was a very nice one. Other than the theft, the mention of other, than, other, <laughs> other than, than the crimes, crimes. <laughs> <laughs> but under the bus for milk sniffing and cocaine. now this wait for what <laughs> the cocaine thing remember i said Were you here oh. at the beginning of the podcast no i was milk sniffing is that what <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole thing it was a whole thing just like we me can't... trying to get my game news back in the day 
We're just going to tell Kat the episode didn't happen this week. <laughs> okay, probably for the, probably for the best. Can I, can I like, like plug something that I'm not involved with that might soothe those who also miss video game magazines? Of course. Sure, sure. The Video Game History Foundation does this really oh, cool yeah, thing. Yeah. I will actually drop it into the live chat if you like. They do a blind box subscription service. Where I've seen that. Once a mm-hmm, month, mm-hmm. they will send you. You can you can kind of pick, you can pick either 80s, 90s, or 2000s, or just let them surprise you. But they will send you a random old video game magazine that's like usually in pretty decent shape. Like it's readable. It's not. It's not. The pages aren't falling out. It might be a little scuffed, but it's like you know, it's in, it's in shape. Um, and they will just send you an old magazine every month, and the money goes to helping the Video Game History Foundation keep doing their work to preserve yeah. games, which is like very good work. And you also get a bunch of like really cool old gaming magazines. And I've been I've been subscribed to it for like a year and a half now, and I have like. I am amassing a collection of some really freaking cool video game magazines. That's so really awesome. Magazines. It's a really cool project. And I like, I like shouting it out. See, oh, I that need was, to that do was this. a very good shout out. Yeah. Because I, I, when I was, when my parents moved from, I used to, my parents used to live like in the same city as me and they moved to a different state uh, last year. And so when they moved, I went back to the to their place and went to my old room and was pulling a bunch of stuff out of there that I wanted to keep. And some of the ones I found were some old game informers and stuff like that. And it was so incredibly nostalgic to look back on that stuff. Also made me wish I was working in the industry at that time because just what a different time to be writing about games. Oh God. Boy, you, wasn't it? Woof. You've heard the game fan stories, I assume. The the I've heard, I've heard pot. some yeah, I've heard some stories, but also just reading the way that, that games used to be written about and the oh, kind of stuff chaos. that went in those magazines. It was, yeah. Did you see the passing around Twitter? I passed it around the picture of the Final Fantasy like demo from a, a computer graphics machine. And everyone mm-hmm. was calling it Final Fantasy 64 or Final Fantasy 7 mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the N64. Yep. And it's complete yep. crap. Nothing to do with anything. But that's mm-hmm. what they were. That's how things were back then. They just threw it at the wall. They just threw it at the wall and assumed, <laughs> hey, this is a polygon Final Fantasy that looks way too good to be on the N64, but it still must be for the N64. There, there was a story going around at one point about how there would be times that they would just get screenshots and just had to guess based off of that, like what the game was about Absolutely. and what you did in the game and stuff like that. What a magical Jazz job. Had <laughs> Jazz has great stories about that. If you look at US Gamer, he actually archived some of his experiences writing for magazines. I would love that to be a recurring feature at any games website. And somehow I feel like that would get derided broadly. But the idea of I'm going to show you five screenshots and you're going to just tell me what you think this game is about would be an excellent feature series. I'm just saying incredible. I'd read that all the time. <laughs> uh, Dr. Horror in the chat says I had a particular buyer's guide, which I used lawyer like to argue with my family that we had made a terrible mistake <laughs> in getting an N64 and needed a PlayStation instead. Wow. That was You're the not right wrong. argument to make. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Everybody I had an N64. N64. Yeah. I, ha- I love my N64 for Zelda and Mario. Those were brilliant. And Star Fox. But uh, yeah, I, I should have gotten a PlayStation first, at least, because that's where all the RPGs went. I just kind of sat there like a schmuck watching all these great RPGs go on to the PlayStation. Oh, Quest 64 is coming. Everyone had an N64 was the thing. I knew like five kids who had an N64 and I was the only one who had a PlayStation. So whenever we wanted to play Crash Team Racing, it was my house we were going to. So that's how you get friends is by monopolizing the content, kids. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Corner the market. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Next up, 
Top 25 RBG Remake 2022 Intergrade. It is time again for our nominations. Each week, our hosts here, Kat, Nadia, and myself, as well as the community, gets to nominate one entry into contention to be on the top 25 RPGs of all time. We are re-ranking them. What gets in this week? Let's start with the community. I want to start with the community because I, I oh, went back. Oh, it was my turn to pick. I got to go look at the community ones. Yeah. Yeah, I think the community gets you. to go first for once. Uh, I got to go look through some of them, and obviously I took numbers into account. I took weighting into account. I also took passion into account because I think a passionate argument can win me over. And this one won me over based on both the numbers it received and the passionate argument behind it. Brian C. Nerd writes, I'm going to nominate Fantasy Star Online. And Ruka got there before I even did. <laughs> Back in the year 2000, many console gamers had never actually seen a massively multiplayer online game. They were something we only had vague understanding understandings of from print ads or reviews in magazine brian goes on to say pso dripped quality from the moment you hit the title screen the incredible soundtrack and sci-fi presentation were mind-blowing and from there it only got better a robust for the time character creator and several classes with different gameplay mechanics gave you lots of build possibilities the level design was simple and often linear but it was backed up by beautiful visuals and a gameplay loop that reminded sat that remained sorry satisfying even after hundreds of repeated runs for me nothing has quite recaptured the feeling of hanging out in a full pso lobby i do think this is a great nomination because uh we talk a lot about the big mmos the big mmorpgs the worlds of warcraft the finals of fantasy but we don't talk about the fantasies of star online and (laughs) it's it's one that i think has had an enduring legacy for better or worse and it's definitely one that uh should be in the contention i don't know if anyone else here has ever played pso in their day i've played two i've played some of two that came out recently my husband still plays it um it looks very free to play ish if you know what i mean but high quality (laughs) high ish quality free to play ish so I was just like, okay, this seems cool. And I like Fantasy Star's universe. I think it has a fascinating RPG universe. And I'm a little mm-hmm. disappointed every time that it doesn't really adhere closer to it when I go to the Fantasy Star Online world. That said, I do recognize how important Fantasy Star Online was for, especially in the West, bringing that MMO experience mm-hmm. uh, to everyone. Mm-hmm. But I haven't dedicated a whole lot of time to it. Yeah, as as the the community in the chat in the Stars of Destiny chat is talking about right now, we even have people in the Discord who still play this game. We have a currently playing channel for people playing PSO right now. I think it's a game that is quietly successful. Yeah, it is no, for absolutely. the discerning connoisseur of MMO. I always liked MMO. There's a lot of MMORPGs out there that are still they have small communities, but very dedicated communities, and quite widely mm-hmm. like. Uh, I'm still a fan of, and I will be until I die, Ragnarok Online. That was my first MMORPG, mm, 2003. Mm. That still has a very, especially in the Philippines, it has a huge community in the Philippines, which is actually really funny. But it's gone free to play. It's on mobile now. So it's still around, still has that Ragnarok Online identity that I, I love so mm-hmm. much. And that music, which is just incredible. There's so many great MMOs that deserve recognition, I think, beyond the worlds of Warcraft and the and the finals of fantasy. And it's good to to give them. So Fantasy Absolutely. Star Online, you are in contention now for the top 25. We're gonna cut real quick to Kat's because Kat has submitted by mail, even though she is absent this week, she has submitted by mail a sealed envelope of which only I have seen the contents. And Kat is putting forth 
Bloodborne for the top 25 RPG contention. Yeah, uh, that makes maybe, sense. Maybe not the hugest surprise to everyone who has seen Cat just have an epiphany of Bloodborne <laughs> in the last couple weeks. Uh, I have never seen someone. I mean, look, Cat is a person who I've seen be passionate about games, but I've never seen her this quickly become so passionate about a game to the point that she is posting saying this is one of the best games i've ever played and like just going off on it and i'm like dang she Kat really off, got into bloodborne yeah when, when she finds a game that once in a blue moon she finds a game that really kind of mm-hmm. she latches onto she will go off and i mean yeah off. yeah and, it, and as cute. dr horror points out cat did like it before the pantheon but i think specifically playing it for the pantheon again having the discussion and i think that's the effect of like talking about Bloodborne with other people as you just start to like Bloodborne more. I know, Ken, you are also a Bloodborne player at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you find Bloodborne worthy of the top 25? Uh, it's the only Souls-like game I could stand long enough to finish it. So There you go. <laughs> I agree. Even those who don't like Souls like Bloodborne. Rev, are you a Bloodborne person? That's, I mean, I respect it. I have not played it. That's that's the fair. only the only Souls game I have played is Dark Souls one, which I love very much. Mm, mm, that is also in contention. So we will have the Dark Good Souls choice. versus Bloodborne debate at some point. Sick. Can't wait for that one. Nadia, what do you bring into the table this week? Well, I wish Kat was here so I could see her face because I'm going to nominate Dragon Quest Builders 2. Yes. Jeez. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Good yes. job, Nadia. Cat's gone. Nominate everything. Because <laughs> <laughs> for people not in the know, we had a big, big fight about that at US Gamer where oh my uh, God. You, you, I, and Mike ganged up on Cat to get mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Dragon Quest Builders to be recognized as one of the most important games of the decade, I think it was. Which yeah, it is. yeah. We argued to get it on there, and the games we were talking off the list to put builders on there were hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking Minecraft. off genuine classics. Yeah, we were going like fuck Minecraft, put <laughs> builders <laughs> on there. <laughs> builders, builders is so perfect if you are someone who likes Minecraft, like I like Minecraft, but want more direction and have. Uh, I mean, Dragon Quest Builders was good. It was very, very, very good. Dragon Quest Builders, so to build so to speak on it in in so so many ways like not only do you have this really robust fun adventure to 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 um follow that starts off running by pairing you with a character named after the mm-hmm. bad guy of dragon quest mm-hmm. builders 2 mm-hmm. and you're like mm-hmm. what is going on so of course you're going through the whole game trying to find out what's happening and in between these massive islands you can visit and you know, have these stories on, you have your own freaking paradise to build up as you like. You can recruit people from the towns you visit. You can recruit the animals from the islands mm-hmm. you visit. So mm-hmm. it's just crazy how much you can do in this game. And mm-hmm. if I do not see a Dragon Quest Builders 3, I will absolutely start a war. You don't understand Riot how much I want this game. <laughs> I will God. build a revolution. <laughs> that is my <laughs> uh, Dragon Quest Builders 3. <laughs> such a great, uh, such a great experience. When you're sad or upset or stressed, mm-hmm. just play a bit of that and you're fine. It is, I think, it took everything that was good about that first game and just made it yes. better by having that central hub that you were building up because that was the feeling missing from one exactly. was the feeling of constantly building up over time. And I think back to after you finish, I think it's the first hub and you go back and you literally dig a ravine so you can you d- create yeah, like an irrigation a, a ditch and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. It's incredible. Minecraft could never. No. <laughs> no. Look. 
do both of those series have regrettable creators behind them? Yes, they do. <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> apparently well, that's what's needed the, to make a good composer. block building game. <laughs> yeah. Dra- Dragon Quest right? Builders showcases how much better Minecraft becomes when you put just like a little bit of guidance to it instead of just kind of throwing people out there. I mean, Minecraft is incredible. My sister played Minecraft for years, my younger sister. And like, Uh I've seen, I've seen the bizarre crap people have built and the weird worlds and the role plays and the things like that, that are Mm -hmm. basically like the groundwork for all the weird metaverse stuff that we're seeing now in a lot of ways. But, but uh, yeah, a little bit of guidance makes a better game. Yeah, there's something about having the RPG progression and building bedrooms and then, different rooms that operate different ways, having villagers that do different People things use the toilets, and automate stuff. And you can use the poop to fertilize things. You can it's fertilize crazy. things yeah. with their poop. It's it's real good. You know, that's all it's we've ever good. wanted. It's the Martian all over again. <laughs> the Martian too. <sighs> We're pooping mm. medieval now. Well, I went back and forth on my nomination for this week because I knew it was going to be a game from a certain series and I just didn't know which one it was going to be. And when I mean series, I mean series within a series. And I got to go with my heart here and I could end up nominating the other one at some point, but I got to talk about final fantasy 10, the, the granddaddy of final fantasies for me. Uh, final fantasy 10 is looked down upon in, in my view for many unfair reasons. This was the game that brought forward voice acting in final fantasy this was the game that brought forward uh incredible music that brought forward incredible battle systems that did so many different interesting things and still feels like this classic comfort food rpg that 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 is something that i can always go back to uh i love the world i love spira conceptually i think a lot of people talk about the hallway aspect of it but i think that actually plays into its storytelling in a really meaningful way that you are going on this pilgrimage it's a game that really deals like despair and grief in interesting ways and like a lot of liberation from systems that want to turn you into cogs in the machine to just keep these ancient old dudes alive and happy and rich and you're like screw that we're gonna murder that system and Mm. kill god in the process and (laughs) gotta kill god uh, sometime yeah and and it annoys me that sometimes uh that gets overlooked just because they didn't like the the laughing part uh and that is what it is but 10 is incredible and maybe someday in the future i will also give my spiel for for 10 too but i feel like i gotta finish 10 too before i can make that argument uh but 10 mm-hmm. is one that oh abby don't worry i agree that titus is not a great protagonist that you is truly the greatest protagonist of both 10 and 10 too but uh that will that will be in the argument for the 10 too into the top 25 as well at least in a uh, final fantasy dissidia he tries to beat up jack doesn't really work out that well but he tried yeah yeah and i Mm. even think that i i mean that whole cast is incredible like i i think orin is a great character i think lulu is a great character i think riku is a great character i even waka with his comical okay i decided to be less racist (laughs) arc ends up being fun in the end of nothing else but it can you and i have just played through the entirety of final fantasy 10 so i wanted to take the opportunity to put this forward now uh because you would be on the show as well mm. not only is cat gone but ken's on so the <laughs> stars align <laughs> but uh 
this was one I was always going to put forward. I knew it mm. the second I knew we were doing this uh, system. But what do you think about Final Fantasy X? How do you think it holds up in the realm of RPGs? Uh, very well. Like I think you know, as you said, we we just played through all of it, and we've you know twenty at the twenty year mark, we've replayed this game, and I think it still holds up. And I think, like you know, you said there's there's often complaints about the linearity of it, and things of that nature but i think broadly the game knows itself better than any final fantasy well with the one caveat i have not played either the mmos um i think it knows itself and is more just like concisely consistently developed and written in a way that final fantasy hasn't really felt since Mm -hmm. um and so yeah i think it I mean, it, personally for me, well, I mean, granted, I like thir- the 13 trilogy uh, a great deal, but like, it's the only time the series has ever really felt that special to me before or since in all the games that I've played of it. So, big yeah. fan. If you want to hear us talk about this in greater detail, hey, you can go. Don't, don't make this sound like I did this just to plug Normandy FM. <laughs> well, he might not have done it to, to plug Normandy FM, but it became a very convenient place to plug Normandy FM, a retrospective <laughs> podcast that goes up bi weekly, and we're currently in the middle of Final Fantasy X 2. <laughs> Reb, we we were gonna try and get you on at some point reb to talk about final fantasy 10 because i remember us talking to you about oh, final fantasy 10 i would I, replay final fantasy 10 for you oh sweet that's a marriage proposal i'm i'm good but <laughs> uh ask what you're gonna ask well, I, I wanted to say, like, how do you feel about the game? Because this is one that you haven't played in a while. Is it something that uh, you think could hold up to the scrutiny of the greatest RPGs of all time? I think maybe. I think it's, I mean, there's a lot of RPGs. Um, I've, mm-hmm. It's hard. Uh, I th- My feelings on Final Fantasy X are complicated because I haven't finished it. Um, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I believe I've told this story to some of you before, but I played it uh, when I was in college and I really enjoyed it. I had a very good time with it. But I got to this is this is like vague memory, so I apologize if I'm getting details wrong. But I got to a point very near the end. I remember there was a fight on a snowy mountain that I struggled with but finished. I think it was a Seymour. You got to Seymour. You got to Seymour on the mountain. I beat Seymour. Yep. I did yep. it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very well, it, so that was already a tedious process. It was a very difficult fight. I think I quit the game multiple times and came back to it repeatedly, and I did finally eventually do it. And then I believe shortly after that, there is an area with a lot of where your party splits. I think it's uh, Titus, mm. Waka, and Riku that go together. And mm-hmm. it is an area with like water element mm-hmm. enemies. Yeah, it's that's like right after the Seymour yeah. fight, but and like before you get into Xanarkand. Yeah. I cannot fathom what party composition I had done to get myself into the situation, but <laughs> uh Riku had like one or no moves that could damage them. Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. uh Waka had no moves that could damage them. And Titus probably would have done better, except literally the only weapon I had available to him was a water sword. So every time mm-hmm. he hit them, he healed them. Oh, and I had geez. no, I had literally nothing I could do. And I just got mm-hmm. so frustrated. And I think, I think also I had done something with my, I, I'm sure there probably is a way out. Like, don't explain this to me in chat, how I could have gotten out of this. I don't even know where my copy of the game is anymore, but like my perception at that time with my save file was there was no way out of this. Mm-hmm. Like I had no way to get back, no way to get a new weapon. Cause I was like trapped. You just soft locked yourself basically. Characters. Yeah. Let me tell and you so about special flea because God, do I love that ability? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't really know. I'm sure there was a way to get out of it, but I didn't mm. do it. And so I never finished. And I, I wish I had, because I think like, 
I, I'm not, I'm not huge on Final Fantasy. You know, I've, I don't, I don't really like seven. I think the remake is cool. I really like six. Uh, I've played a couple others here and there. I will say that 10, I think has two of the most memorable scenes for, from mm-hmm. not most memorable, but some, some of the more memorable scenes in any RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the scene where Yuna is doing the dance over the water and oh, sending the spirits. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then of course the two falling into the water together and doing the oh, kiss and yeah. stuff. Like yeah. those, those two scenes are so like they're burned into my brain because they're just so beautiful and so well done. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that alone should put it in contention, honestly, because they are mm-hmm. really beautiful and emotional and good moments. Uh, my spicy take is that is easily it's the most cinematic of the Final Fantasies. Yes. Like it, it, it wants to have by those. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Read my article. Exactly. Exactly. Really it's so the great. Baz Luhrmann Final Fantasy oh, that we follow on in. I love Baz Luhrmann Final Fantasy. I know I don't like playing <laughs> those games, but I love their aesthetic. It's important. So that's that's what we have. We have Final Fantasy X. Uh, we have Naughty. You didn't even write down what you had. Where you, I, you I had. was because I was going to write everything down. Then I got like wrapped up in technical problems. So Mm -hmm. uh, I figured, okay, I'll remember it. And I did. Mm -hmm. Hooray. Well, those are our nominations for all of them here on the top 25, I believe. Right. We're all good. We're all good. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I can get three. Yeah. Yeah. Dragon Quest Builders, Bloodborne, Final Fantasy 10, Fantasy Star Online. Beautiful. Four more into the pit to fight for the top 25. <laughs> I'm now realizing how many games are going to have to work through at some point, And it's just going to be a bloodbath. It's it's going to be terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, I know the brass knuckles. Yeah, I agree. Ruka and, and Teeps, I see y'all. Reb, Ken, real quick. If you had to nominate a single game for the top 25 RPG contention, what would you nominate? And if you name something that's already nominated, that's fine. We just want to hear what you think is is a good pick for the top twenty five RPGs of all time. We'll start with Ken, who has Mass his finger 3. up. Like Mass Effect three. Okay, that's there you go. That's the spicy one because we have Mass Effect on the list already, but Mass Effect three is a spicy. As we can see from the chat, is a three. spicy take. <laughs> Why three? Why not two? Why not one? Because let me kiss boys. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair yeah. that's fair solid okay yeah Respect. very good mm-hmm. reb what are what are you putting forward i mean i'm sure it's already on there but chrono trigger obviously okay yeah that yeah. was our uh, number I mean, one I, pick yeah, yeah i but. i think chrono trigger is probably i i think breath of the wild is my favorite game of all time but chrono trigger for before breath of the wild came out was my favorite game of all time oh absolutely Tra- trading off a little bit with undertale undertale will pr- probably be my second pick um but like I think Chrono Trigger is the epitome of a perfect RPG. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> There's nothing Abby, wrong with it. Yeah, Abby just said, okay, besides Chrono Trigger. <laughs> yes. Besides Chrono Trigger, Undertale. Undertale, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I put that one forward a couple of weeks ago. Undertale was somehow not on our original list, and so that's going to have to be rectified because... I do agree with that. It's I Undertale. Agree. Come on. <laughs> it's Undertale. Fantastic. Uh, we're already running pretty over on our normal estimate because they gave us the keys and i don't know why this is what happens when cat is gone so random <laughs> encounters <laughs> random encounters let's do some random encounters number one sony buys Bungie. that was on monday this has been the longest freaking week oh in God. the world you know it is really incredible 
it is incredible to like review a game like Pokemon and then also be responsible for doing like post review content because your life is so consumed by it. I have, I'm like a business journalist. I have no idea. Like somebody told me Sony bought Bungie that morning and I'm like, okay. And then promptly forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> like sure. the, the exact opposite of my job. That'll uh, keep yeah. that tree on the car. Yeah, that should <laughs> right, work. Right, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Call me next week when Nintendo buys uh, Xbox. I don't know. Like, no. Yeah, yeah. That's, that'd be great. Nintendo's been been saving a lot of that playing card been money. Been saving up its pennies. <laughs> we found Y'all underestimated the, the Hanafuda cards for the last time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Sony... Fine, but we're we're consolidating the entire industry and and don't panic but do panic i don't know it's i don't i don't personally like consolidation all that much but i also understand some of why it's happening in some cases mm-hmm. so uh i don't know we don't need to expand on this one because we head on to the next one that the ftc will reportedly be investigating the microsoft activision blizzard deal that was from sure. a report by bloomberg i i believe uh yeah that sure that makes sense. That's a lot of money moving. <laughs> and they're, they're like, not, what? A big company in, in America? Never. They're not going to stop mm-hmm. it. They're not going to stop it. No. Yeah. And so Valexia points out in the chat, Sony has said they're planning on buying others too. I mean, that was kind of the thing that I feel a lot of people missed in this announcement is that Sony has been buying companies pretty regularly at this point. Spongey is a very high profile one, but they picked yeah. up Nixess. They picked up Fire Sprite. They picked up some like not as high profile pickups as Bungie, but both Microsoft and Sony are, are looking at the current industry and going, yeah, now's a good time to be buying companies. So I would not be 100% uh, like uh, surprised if Sony bought Square. I just feel like Square Enix mm. is in someone's target and that we're not, it's not going to survive. Sony I feel, Square I feel Enix. Like, I feel like three, three, five years ago, Square Enix might have been in that situation, but I feel like just on 14 alone and also the number of publishing deals and stuff that they True. have in place, Square is a little bit more solid. Whereas I keep looking at stuff like Koei Tecmo and going like, how long is that company going to be how as independent here? as they are? Yeah. And I, lo- I love Koei Tecmo does great stuff. They did Dragon Quest Oh, they Builders do. Too. But like you would think that somebody like Nintendo would love to have Koei Tecmo to just help on all the Switch games because Koei Tecmo has made some Switch games really hum in the past. Yeah, so. yeah. Pokemon um, Conquest 2. Bring it on. I, yeah. I will say like the complication. So like, I mean, we, we've heard for ages that micro, that Xbox is really interested in buying up a Japanese game studio. Um, mm-hmm. I I can't keep track of all the acquisitions. I don't think they've done that yet. Uh, but the kind of the one of the big complications with a lot of these studios, uh, Square Enix included, Capcom, Sega, all those guys, is they... Uh, Konami, I think Koei Tecmo as well. They all have a lot of... they, they are not just video games, right? Like they're wrapped up in a bunch of other right, things. They're right, wrapped up right, in a right. ton of merchandising and products, like manufacturing. They're ra- a lot of them are wrapped up again. arcades, uh, amu- amusements, well, gambling. Sega and arcades, not so much anymore. Well, <laughs> so. no, but I mean, not in the sense that they own arcades, but I mean, they still. I'm pretty sure they still like make machines, right? Like they have. Do they have other things going on related to there, that? There, there's stuff going on in the side. Yeah, I like believe, they still but. have like business business elements there, and so like whatever company picked any of those guys up would have to pick up all that business too. And it's, it's been sort of a weird balance because in the past that side of the business has 
propped up a lot of the game development, but during the pandemic right. it flipped or game development was lifting up everything else. And so now like, like there's a, there's a, a few years ago, I would have told you, oh, well, it's possible they might just buy like Konami. I would have said, oh, they might just buy their game development arm and leave the rest. But mm-hmm. now I'm like, ah, oh, they kind of need each other. So I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I think that does complicate a lot of those Japanese companies. On the business side, Nintendo Switch sales also surpassed the Nintendo Wii there. Wow. I mean, the Switch continues to sell well. That's, yeah. I mean, I have three, <laughs> I have three models. I have the original, I have a light, and I got the OLED as well. Mm-hmm. So I bought uh, the Animal Crossing Switch. Yeah, I, I bought an OLED. I bought yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, so, no. so there cute. There are four Nintendo Switches in our house right now. Yeah, there we have. We're, we're quite a many. Switch heavy house, which works because my husband has one and I have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus one and more for the cats. The, the small one can go to the cats. <laughs> but can no. can you pack in switches? You got multiple switches or just one? No, switch? I I sold the one to get the OLED. So mm. that's yeah. I probably should have done smart. that. Smart frugal yeah. gamer right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, for us, it's a good tax write off. So there you that's go. Funny. One of my switches that's... technically belongs to IGN, and I have to give it back. Mm. Oh God, Fanbyte paid for mine, but I don't know if that means it's theirs. Do, do I have to give it? Wow. Okay. Do you want me to erase this part of the podcast and we'll just. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I'm, just it, right? I'm not a switch. A snitch. <laughs> I'm not a switch snitch. <laughs> switch snitch. <laughs> All right. Switch snitch. <laughs> Maybe we should uh, erase this part of the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mina the Hollower is Yacht Club's new game coming to Kickstarter. Bit weird. Mm. Uh, Bit weird. Not really sure why they're doing that. I mean, that's weird because of all the Kickstarter crypto stuff that was going around, but also because Yacht Club is pretty big company at this point with some success behind it. So them going to Kickstarter is strange, especially when that game seemed pretty far along. And I'm not sure. Usually I think of Kickstarter as help us fund this game, not mm-hmm. pre-order this game. Yeah, so yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I have think no Mina looks incredible, it. but oh, it looks great. I, I really yeah. look forward to it. I don't harbor any ill will towards the idea because it's kind of like, hey, if I want to, I will. If I don't, I don't have to. Mm-hmm. I don't have to give them money. They've already doubled or tripled their their pledge from mm-hmm. what I've heard. But all yeah. I think all developers these days can really use a helping hand. And if the community mm-hmm. is willing to help them, whether that's through Kickstarter or even uh, early access, then mm-hmm. that's cool. But I don't really see Yacht Club as an early access sort of company. So they're like, hey, help us on Kickstarter. And sure, I don't mind. And and they're also doing some physical stuff, so I'm betting that's probably tied up that's, in it. They want to secure some stuff for that. Right. They probably know as well as anyone that the thing that kills almost every Kickstarter is just under physical estimating goods. how much yeah. it costs to print and ship physical goods, especially now with the supply chain issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Voice of Cards is getting another game. I love that. Holy God. Coming out in like two weeks because, okay. Um, is this also Yokotaro? Uh, so I don't know much about this one, to be honest with you. Uh, what I do know is that the way it was phrased kind of makes it sound like the they're they're very much the world was created by the creative team of Yoko Taro, Keiji mm. Okabe, and uh, someone whose third name I'm forgetting all of a sudden, and I'm terribly sorry. Um, but it, it was the creative team behind Nier and Drakengard, and uh. It was very much like the world was created by them, but the developer um, Alim Alim uh, is kind of just making more games in this world, at least two now. Um, I don't know if they're going to do more. I will say I played and reviewed that original one and found it to just be a very 
short, cozy RPG that was really just an RPG. It did not really do any card stuff like you would expect with, say, a Slay the Spire or a a Hearthstone. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, I think I beat it in the course of a one weekend. It took maybe like 12 hours. And it, like, I honestly kind of like the idea of that, of just something I can beat in a weekend and doesn't take forever, but also didn't leave much of an impression aside from having really good art and music. Even the story was like nothing to write home about. So is what it is. I'll play it probably when it's not in the middle of freaking February. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on uh, in February? Nothing at all. Yeah, I am disappointed that alongside uh, Voice of Cards, there was Dungeon Encounters back in the day, and that is not getting a follow up as far as we know right now. And that's the true crime because Dungeon Encounters was incredible. <laughs> so uh, the fan made Bloodborne PSX is out now. Go play it. It's awesome. It's cool. Uh, a developer I heard, yeah, it's good. Took Ooh. Bloodborne, the first two bosses in those areas and put it in a PSX style uh setting it it just looks like a playstation game and everyone that has played it has it's awesome it's actually been a good week for for modding and fan creation because uh a team announced that they are finalizing the tokimeki memorial snes translation this week and also the re4 hd mod just came out this week as well so good times for everybody who likes to mod games and mess around with them uh and the FF7 remake director has teased there is more to come this year about the FF7 remake projects, whatever I that hope means. So. A lot of people whatever are that taking means. that to mean. Love an yeah. announcement of an announcement. This industry is uh, fun. A lot of people are taking it to mean that there's going to be more about part two. But uh, I mean, that is one of my predictions for this year. But even I, someone who predicted that going into this year, am skeptical that it will happen. You think so. it'll be out this no. year? No. No, no, that no, we'll hear no, no. like we'll hear news. Oh, we'll about hear it. something. Probably be yeah. three time, I would imagine. We're working on it, much like Rockstar loves to say, it is in active development. <laughs> um, that's about it. We're gonna put the mailbag on hold for this week, so that's gonna be it for this week of acts of the blood god. As always, if you have liked the show, please like, comment, subscribe. Leave us a nice review on the podcatcher of your choice. Go back us on Patreon. Thank you so much to all the stars of Destiny who showed up in chat today. I did not shout you out at the beginning, but I'll run down the list right now. Teeps, Abby, Azix, Brian, Derinder, Derinder, Dare, (laughs) True, (laughs) Dr. Horror, Lex, Not Hollow, Michigan Left, Ruka, Spirus, Valexia, Wah, and Zubatman. Thank you all for tuning in and hanging out with us. Day Randir. Day Randir. Okay. I'm going to call you Day Day Randir. I like that. Day Um, Randir. (laughs) Eric didn't say TRPG Sicko. Huh. I wonder how I skipped over that one. (laughs) Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you so much to our guest, Ken. Thank you so much for finally coming on. We finally got you on here. Dang. Yeah. I was here for the violent takeover that you told me to get here for, but we talked about Pokemon instead. Yeah, I know. We're going to have to work on that. See, I'm thinking we get some Bioware, like a Bioware Mm. Pantheon vote Mm -hmm. going on. We'll get you in for that. And then, you know, I'm going to have to make you a 14 sicko. You know, that's just part of it. That's a right of initiation. You work for Fanbyte. It's going to happen. Hey, don't put that evil on me. You work for (laughs) everyone at that site plays 14. Imran already got infected. (laughs) Infected. I played it once Mm -hmm. for 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. okay. See, I fine. did that. It's fine, it's boring. Don't play it. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm bored that's right that's so much time. Like, I was going to thank Rev for joining on and being a wonderful <laughs> yeah, guest. Yeah, but not but anymore. Not with that attitude. Reb, do I, I do thank you for coming on and being a wonderful guest as always. You're so welcome. I love being here. Also, love this format with the chat. Nice people in there. Mm-hmm. We try. Yeah, they're good people. I like good them. I feel this live show format has added some vitality to the show, some vivaciousness, uh, some some fun moments of mostly being heckled by the chat as I try to wheel through. The first time I've hosted in a long time. I did host this. Once upon a blue moon way back when. And yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was also a car wreck. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> uh, but we got here. We got to the end. Uh, th- that's going to wrap it for the main show. We're closing out here and we'll see you next time on Blood God. But stay tuned. Those in the stars of Destiny Chat for the post show. But until then, for Ken, for Rev, for Nadia, for myself, we'll see you next time on Acts of the Blood God. Yeah.